the Lord. That is exciting, isn't it? Man, yes, we can celebrate that. And if you're joining us live this morning, we're glad that you're with us online. Uh, we've had a great time here praising the Lord and, and seeing these baptisms, seeing lives change. And that's what the gospel does. It changes us from the inside out. When uh, we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, he comes inside of our hearts and changes us uh, through the power of the Holy Ghost. So we're thankful about, about that this morning. You've heard two sermons. You're getting ready to hear a third. And uh, for those of you that are just uh, getting here maybe and not knowing what's going on around this place a lot. We've had a lot going on this week, a lot of things going on in people's lives, and we've also uh, had a great time with a team uh, from Huntsville, Alabama, a Community Fellowship Baptist Church, Pastor Jay Shug and the team kind of sitting in this area, I think. We're so glad to have you guys. Uh, they've come up. Yeah, give them some, some love. They drove uh, 10 hours plus to get here, and then they worked Randy and Bob and the Word First team worked them like dogs for two days, and uh, they assembled 2,600 20, 2600 plus uh, New Testaments for Dan and Jan Jalowick in Chapada, Zambia, and also Brian Kaoma, who's a missionary uh, who actually was trained by Randy at Kapula Futa, who is now in Malawi, uh, and he's also ministering, so he's going to get a portion of those, about 500 of those Bibles that, that uh, the, these great people assembled together along with the Word First team. And, uh, man, they knocked it out. I got there after, after the soccer game yesterday thinking I might be able to at least help, you know, pull something over the finish line. They'd already packed up and ready to go. So, man, you guys really cracked the whip on these folks. So, uh, so now it's just leisure. And, uh, but, no, you know what? The reality is, is it's, a great, it's great uh, to uh, have fellowship around the Word of God and trying to get the Word of God where it needs to go on time. The Word of God's precious among the, the Chichewa-speaking peoples of Africa, and it's our great privilege and honor to be, have a small part in being able to deliver the Word of God. And we're so thankful for uh, Jay, Pastor Jay and uh, Community uh, Fellowship. Uh, they have taken on uh, the financial burden of this project as well as the physical burden. And so what a great blessing they are to the ministry of, uh, of God. And so you'll be hearing more about the Chichewa project in days to come. Uh, uh, Palira Chabuana is working on the, on the finalization of the Old Testament along with the rest of the, the Trinitarian team that's putting that whole Bible together. So eventually we'll have a whole Bible. We can keep these parties going and it'll be a great time. So we're excited about that. Um, I'm going to have Jay come and, and preach to us. Jay is, uh, I've known Jay now for probably four, five, six years. I don't know I've uh, had him at the, met him at all the Living Faith Fellowship conferences, and he's, uh, he's a good man. And uh, we've got a lot in common. Our churches have a lot to get, uh, common. And I'm looking forward to having you preach to us, brother. So come and give us the word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, everybody doing okay? Good. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you for the privilege of uh, being here. Uh, it has been an amazing weekend for, for our team. Uh, we've been blessed beyond measure. We have worked hard, and uh, thank you for working us hard. Uh, it's been just an amazing thing to see the, the publishing ministry and publishing arm of your church. It is absolutely amazing uh, to, to, to have a, a burden and a capability, uh, as Randy said over the weekend, to make swords and to put them in the hands of those that need them. Uh, man, what a tremendous... Uh, opportunity for us. You know, a lot of times in our churches, churches like our churches, we, we are cautious to guard uh, the, the training and the teaching of God's people. We want to keep that within the context of a local church. We believe that's the instrument that God uses. 
And uh, Randy said something the very first day that we uh, uh, met together. He said, you know, we, we don't want to outsource the training, but we also don't want to outsource God's word outside the local church either. And I never really thought about that until I heard it. And I thought, well, man, that, that's, that's worthy of consideration. And so uh, God's used this trip in my life personally uh, to, to help me understand as a local church, we need to do our part and more uh, to make sure God's word is in the hands of the people that need it, both stateside and abroad. So thank you, church, uh, because your zeal certainly has provoked many, including uh, the many that are on our team uh, this weekend. So thank you for allowing us. And I want to thank your pastor for allowing me the privilege to preach. This is no small task. Uh, any pastor uh, trusting the pulpit to anybody uh, is, a, is a humbling uh, responsibility, and I appreciate the privilege uh, to share the Word of God with you this morning. You've got a great pastor, and uh, the more time I spend with him, the more time I want to spend with him, uh, and it's just neat how God puts people in your life uh, that are like-minded and uh, encouraging, and uh, man, you know, he's just an encouragement to me, and I'm really thankful to, to know him and get to know him more, and so it's an honor for me to be here this morning. I don't take it lightly. I appreciate getting to know you. Uh, I hope the Alabama accent is not too much for you. If I need to clarify some of the, the Alabama words, just raise your hand and we'll get, get the tongues going and uh, we'll all make it out of here prayerfully uh, unscathed this morning. Let me also say if you're a guest this morning and maybe you were here for the baptisms uh, this morning uh, and you've never heard Pastor Brian preach, uh, please come back next week. Please come back next week. Come be a part of this church and be a part of this ministry. It is a Bible teaching, Bible preaching church, disciple making church, uh, transforming lives through the gospel ministry. And uh, if you're looking for a home church, this is where you need to be, hands down, hands down. You say, well, you just came from Alabama. You don't even know that. I know that. Uh, it, it didn't take but just a few minutes to figure it out. This is where you need to be. And I'm thankful for the opportunity. And so please come back. If you've got a Bible this morning, turn to the book of Ezekiel. And uh, this morning, we're going to just study a little bit of a passage uh, that God really spoke to me about leading up to this trip. Uh, you know, Brian had asked me to, to preach and given me the opportunity to preach. And I was like, what do you want to preach? What do you want me to preach? And he kept ignoring my emails. And so, uh, you know, I sent another one. I was like, hey, man, what do you want me to preach? And he just ignored that one, too. And so I was like, well, Lord, I guess, uh, I, guess I need to ask you, Lord, what is it you want me to preach? That's probably where I should have started, right? And uh, I was reading my Bible uh, in Ezekiel this week leading up to this trip. And uh, God just reminded me of some things personally from the book of Ezekiel. I'd like to share those things with you this morning. Ezekiel is one of the major prophets in your Old Testament, major because of size, but also major because of substance. And, uh, and as we open the book this morning, we're going to start in verses 1 to 3. I'll read that. We'll pray. And I uh, hope you got a set of notes. If you want to follow along this morning, uh, you can grab a set of notes and follow, and we'll, we'll have some blanks for you to fill in. And prayerfully, the Word of God does the work in our lives. So let's read Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, and the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. And in the fifth day of the month, which was the year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kibar, or Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for the privilege of being in this house. We thank you for the praise and worship. Thank you for the praise team leading us. God, we thank you for the testimony of those that were baptized. Thank you that they profess to know you as Lord and Savior. Thank you that they are willing to take the step of obedience and believer's baptism to outwardly show what's already happened in their life inwardly. 
Thank you for the encouragement that is to the saints, and I pray that, that many are provoked, God, to just obey whatever the next step is in our life to follow you. Lord, this morning as we open your word, God, we, we need to hear from you today. We don't need to hear from me. Lord, we need to hear from you. And so get this weak vessel out of your way, Lord, and may your spirit and your word do its work as only you can do, and may hearts and lives be changed today. We'll give you the glory for that right now, and we ask it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, the message is entitled, Priest to Prophet. And as we look at Ezekiel's life, we're going to see some interesting uh, parallels to our own lives as, as believers in Christ. And we're just going to start in point number one. We're going to look at Ezekiel's call. And if you understand what's happening right now in the nation of Israel, Israel is in captivity. And as Israel is in captivity because of their rebellion against God, God has delivered them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians because of their sin and their rebellion against their God. As a matter of fact, Pastor Bob this morning was preaching through the book of uh, Hosea in Sunday school or Bible study. And And those prophets all throughout the Old Testament were warning the nation of Israel, if you don't repent, this is what's going to happen. God is going to judge you, chasten you, and deliver you over to the Chaldeans. And and as we enter into the book of Ezekiel, that captivity has begun. This is really the second wave of the siege of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel being taken captive. And so God has given them over to the Chaldeans. They're under the judgment of God for 70 years But I want you to know that in the midst of that captivity, God calls a man, and that man's name is Ezekiel. And so his call came in the midst of captivity. And Jeremiah 25 and verse 11 says that that whole land is going to be a desolation and an astonishment, and the nations are going to serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And so this is not a short-term Punishment, this is not a short-term chastening of the nation of Israel, and yet in the midst of difficult circumstances, and even in God's judgment against a nation, God continued to call men to be a witness for him, to share the word of God. And, And what was happening in the nation of Israel, even in their captivity, listen, there were plenty of false priests and false prophets that were actually preaching good news instead of truth, Instead of the bad news. And, and you had prophets like these major prophets that were preaching God's judgment and preaching God's, God's chastening on the nation of Israel. And yet there were false priests and false prophets saying, you know, no, 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 that's not true. We're going to just be fine because we're God's children. And, and Jerusalem is God's city. And so you have nothing to worry about. And we can even go down to Egypt to get help. And, and, and there was a conflict of information and a conflict of, of preaching and teaching and And ultimately, Israel's rebellion and rejection of God's word led to these sieges and led to the destruction of Jerusalem. Ultimately, Nebuchadnezzar came in and and besieged the city and and destroyed it. And so, interestingly, Israel's captivity was worsened by their resistance to endure God's chastening. God was trying to deal with them, and they didn't want to be dealt with. And so they kept ignoring God's word. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 tells us that when God chastens us, even as believers in Christ, no chastening for the present seemeth joyous. I mean, I remember growing up and I had a, a dad that was uh, uh, in, the, in the Navy and then he was in the Army. And later on, he, he re-upped with the uh, Army National Guard, ended up retiring. So I grew up in a military home uh, with a lot of rules and regulations. 
I think I even grew up in a system where we had merits and demerits, you know what I'm saying, like for behavior, and uh, very, very authoritative. And, and, you know, when I broke the rules, man, my, 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 my dad uh, had a system of uh, punishment for that and discipline for that. And I can't ever remember a time as a kid being on the receiving end of that discipline thinking, this is fantastic. Let me, <laughs> may I have another, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I just never remember that, and, and, and God's chasing in our life, God's chastening in Israel's life was, was really purposed to do the same thing. It's not meant to be joyous, but grievous. Hebrews 12 tells us, nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And so God's goal in chastening the nation of Israel was so that righteousness would be achieved, but that righteousness could only be achieved by repentance in the nation of Israel's life. And instead of repenting, the nation of Israel responded in rebellion. And God removed them from the land. And, and, and many people would say, well, God's done with that people, man. They're done. Stick a fork in them. They're done. And yet, in the midst of their chastening, God sent out a call. And God called a man. And this man was named Ezekiel. He got that call in the midst of captivity. Because God's calling and, and God's love for his people and love for the lost and love for the sinner is unquenchable. God loves us. Secondly, we see that Ezekiel's call came in the midst of an identity crisis. Because included in that group of people that had been taken captivity was this man named Ezekiel. And the Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 3, God gives us some information about who this man is. Number one, the word of God tells us that he was a priest. He was a priest. And, and listen, that would have mean that he would have been acquainted with the Mosaic law, the Levitical sacrificial system. He would have been instrumental in offering those sacrifices uh, in the temple of God on behalf of the, the nation of Israel. He knew what was required by God to be right with God in that Old Testament system. He would have, he would have been a religious man. But, but in that captivity, and ultimately with the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, he would have been without a job. And, and so his calling came in a time of captivity, and his calling came in a time of a personal identity crisis, because here's this priest that ultimately can't do anything. And, and, and you know, the Old Testament priest, listen, there, there's two ways to look at that. Number one, again, again, we're looking at an inspirational application of this passage but listen, Ezekiel for us is a type or an example of a lost person in the sense that they're trusting in their works for their righteousness. God tells us in the New Testament that the, de the deeds of the law can't justify us, Romans chapter, chapter 3 and verse 20. Uh, the deeds of the law can't justify us from our sin. And again, I know the Old Testament system was a system of faith and works. They were doing everything that was required by God at that point in time. And so this priest, again, is always synonymous with the law. But, but you know, there is another application because as New Testament believers, we are priests, right? You've heard of the priesthood of the believer in Jesus Christ. And so Ezekiel for us is also a type of the believer in Christ because we have an individual priesthood as believers in Christ. We don't have to go to another man to have access to God. We only go through the person of Jesus Christ. God even tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 that, that as, as, as the priesthood of believers, we're called to exercise that giftedness. We're called to offer up spiritual sacrifices 
spiritual sacrifices. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so when you and I became believers in Christ, we, we were able and had the opportunity and the privilege to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 12, it was mentioned earlier on the stage, verse 1. God calls us to offer our own life as a living sacrifice to God on the altar of service. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And so listen, Ezekiel for us, it, it, he is a picture of both, but, but I, the practical application this morning is he's a picture of us. And he's a priest, and yet he's in the middle of a nation that's under judgment, and they're in captivity. And God is not satisfied being inactive in that situation. As a matter of fact, God's going to raise up a priest to ultimately become a prophet for him. And, and so we, we learn that Ezekiel is a priest. We also see that he's the son of, of Buzi. And, and again, we could go through his lineage, but we don't have a ton of time this morning. But that, that name Buzi, you know in the Old Testament, every name has a meaning. And that name Buzi literally means contempt or contemptible. And so Ezekiel is the son of contempt. He's the son of the despised. He's the son of the disgraced. That's who we are before Christ. That's who we are. And thankfully, Christ gives us a new identity. And then his call comes in the land of the Chaldeans. And again, Ezekiel is part of this second siege of people that have been taken captive out of Jerusalem, out of Israel. And, 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 and God's calling didn't come in the nation of Israel and in the city of Jerusalem. You got a guy with the wrong name, with the wrong occupation, and in the wrong place. And yet God comes to him. Because God wants to use him. I don't know what your circumstances are this morning, but I just want to encourage you. Listen, whatever your circumstances are, there's never, there's never an opportune time for God's calling. Many times God's calling in our life to salvation and also to service. Service comes in the most uh, inconvenient and difficult times. You know, the disciples, their calling to follow Jesus Christ came while they were fishing, while they were sitting at the receipt of custom, when they were just involved in the, the normal affairs of life. They're busy people. And yet the Lord gave them an invitation to follow. He extended a call to their life. The Apostle Paul's calling came during an attempt to capture and imprison and even kill Christians. Kind of a busy guy doing bad things. And yet the call of God came on his life in the midst of the chaos and so there's never going to be an opportune time in your life or in my life to respond to the call of God. But the reality is when God calls, it's time to listen. It's time to listen. And, and Ezekiel, listen, he was a product of his environment. He was probably a product of his, his nurture because he was a priest. He had a family lineage. He's also a product of his nature and his environment because he's in, in captivity. But listen, when the word of God gets involved, deliverance is available. And God is going to set a captive free in the man of Ezekiel and use him to preach God's word to other people. And I think that's very encouraging. I know that's encouraging for me. It may not be to you, but man, it is to me. It is to me. I got saved at the age of 21. Uh, the gospel 
came to me through my best friend in high school who later shared the gospel with me in college. And I was, I was right in the middle of figuring out the rest of my life, figuring out a career. I wanted to go into engineering. Uh, you know, I had relationships that I thought were important to me. I had a career path that was important to me. I wanted to make some money because that was important to me. And, and this guy had, had been backslidden for a long time, had repented, had, had got back in church and wanted to serve God with his life. And, and the guy that led me to Christ pursued me for months. It's kind of annoying, honestly. He would invite me to church just like this on Sunday morning. And I'd blow him off. No way, dude, I'm not going to church with you. I would volunteer to work on Sundays so that I, I didn't have an excuse not to go to church. How jacked up is that? I mean, that's pretty messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want to lie to the guy, so I just said, hey, if you've got a Sunday morning shift, I would like to work. And so then he would ask about church. I, man, I'd love to, but I'm working, you know, type thing. And, uh, and so he just kept working on me, man, and I had kind of my life figured out, I thought, and going where I thought it needed to go. And ultimately, God opened the door for a gospel conversation. And at the age of 21, that, that message changed my life. Number one, I realized I was a sinner, and I needed to be saved from my sin. And, and I'm thankful that, that this young man loved God enough to tell me some tough news. You know, the gospel starts with bad news, and, and it, then it gets to the good news, right? We're sinners. We're de we deserve death and hell, separation from God, but Christ died for our sin. And the bad news comes first. And we're going to see in Ezekiel's life that God is going to use a man named Ezekiel that had really unfortunate circumstances. He's going to use him to deliver his word to the people that need to hear it. And I'm thankful for that message. I'm thankful it ruined my life. So I had to change my career. I had to change some relationships in my life so that I could follow the Lord. And God wrecked everything. And it's been amazing. And, and I guarantee you at the age of 21, I never saw me doing this. Can I just tell you? I'm just a redneck from L.A. That's Lower Alabama, okay, for, for y'all. I'm from, I'm from L.A., Lower Alabama. I grew up in the middle of a peanut field, all right? And so, and so what God's grace is able to do is just absolutely amazing, and I'm, and I'm thankful for the Lord and his change in my life. Number three, we see that Ezekiel's call, not, not only did it come in captivity in time of identity crisis, number three, we see it was a call that was very personal. It was a call that was very personal. Verse 3 says that the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans. And, and let me just remind you that, listen, the call to salvation is personal. It's a personal call. Man, the gospel's got to be heard and received personally in your life. And I, and I would ask you the question, listen, where did you meet the Lord Jesus Christ personally? Where were you in your captivity and bondage of sin when the message of the gospel was able to break through and save you from a devil's hell? Where were you? When, were, when was it? For me, again, the age of 21, 1997, July 11th, not that you have to have a date, but man, I'll never forget that date. I just turned 21, three days after I turned 21, and I was at the proverbial fork in the road, and the message of the gospel came. It came to me. It didn't came to everybody I knew. It wasn't like all my family. The gospel came to me. It was a personal call in my own life. And listen, just like the call to salvation is personal, as we're going to see in Ezekiel's life, the call to service is also personal. In other words, you and I have to personally respond to God's desire and plan to use us 
for His glory's sake. You see, God is not going to call your entire church, Heartland Baptist Fellowship. He's not going to call your whole church. Yeah, He is calling your whole church to serve Him. But the way He's going to do that is by calling you personally, calling you to salvation, calling you to serve Him. And, and I'll encourage you to listen. A call to salvation is a call to service. It is a call, same call. It's the same call. And so we see that in Ezekiel's life. And, and, and so Ezekiel responded right. Man, he, he responded rightly to that call. He listened to the word of the Lord that was expressly revealed to, to him. And as you go through chapter 1, the remainder of chapter 1, Ezekiel gets enlightened. He, he gets to see some things that he's never seen and hear things that he had never heard. And listen, when you come to Christ and you respond to the gospel and you respond to God's call, isn't that kind of how it works? You, your eyes are open to spiritual things that you didn't even know were there. I remember when I got saved, I started going to church and, and, and the guy that was leading the, the college ministry at that time was preaching through end times, like the nation of Israel and the tribulation. And I'm showing up as a brand new Christian that just knows Jesus. That's all I know. And there's all this chatter about Israel and a land and an antichrist and a mark. And, and I am leaving confused like every Sunday. And every, what is going on? And, and the, more I, the more I went, the more God opened my eyes to start seeing some things. And our pastor was a strong expositional pastor. And every time he preached, it was like, I don't even know what you said, but it was awesome. <laughs> and I wrote it down. I filled out the note sheet. You can, you can thank my pastor for that, too, because, like, he was a heavy note guy. I was like, I filled this out. I'm going to tuck this away for about five years. It'll probably make sense later. Man, it was just overwhelming. Ezekiel begins to see some things in chapter 1 that he's never seen before. He sees four creatures and four wheels, and, and he hears a voice as the voice of the Almighty and he sees a throne, and he sees a man on that throne, and, and there's a fire around about that throne, and he sees a rainbow, and we, we don't have the time to go through that, and, and truth is, I don't understand all of it. But what I know is, he summarizes it in verse 28, Ezekiel 1 and verse 28, and it, it says, as the appearance of the bow that was in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about it. He says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one that spake. Ezekiel got enlightened to who God was. You know, we, those of us that, that have studied like the seven levels of discipleship or seven stages of spiritual growth, we know that when a person responds to the gospel one, in, in repentance, one of the first things that God does is, is open their eyes to who he is. They begin to enlighten him and, and just help that person believe and see that Jesus Christ is God. And, and he's God in the flesh. And, and I know as a, as a young Christian, man, I started to pray. I didn't even know how to pray. But God began to prove himself in my life. Just miracle after miracle, answered prayer after answered prayer. And it was obvious. And I don't understand all this, but, but Jesus Christ is God. And I'm seeing things I've never seen and hearing things I've never heard. And what it did was it humbled me. Because <laughs> I realized, man, this is, this is truly a right relationship with God that I'm experiencing. And Ezekiel had a right, humble heart. He fell on his face 
before the Lord, and he heard the voice of God speak. And so, and so the first thing that we see is God had a plan for Ezekiel's life. He wanted to call him and use him in the midst of very difficult circumstances and in the midst of a very hard-headed people. And, and number two this morning, we're going to see Ezekiel's commission because God didn't call him without a purpose. God had a purpose for Ezekiel's life, and it was to send him to the nation of Israel. And, and I would have you look at Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, the verse, verses on the screen. And it says, He said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and he set me upon my feet. And I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me, they and their fathers have transgressed against me, even to this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall they know that there has been a prophet among them. And so this is what I'm titling Ezekiel's Commission, because because after God's call on Ezekiel's life, God commissioned him. He said, I've got a, a people that you need to go to with a message that I'm going to give you. And, and, and so in your notes, the first thing that we see under his commission is that Ezekiel was sent to a people. And did you read the verse with me? I mean, did you see the, the crowd that Ezekiel got sent to? God said they're going to be the, the most receptive people on the planet. I mean, when you go in and share the Word of God, they're going to just repent and rejoice and respond rightly, and they're going to let you preach for four hours because they just can't wait to hear God's Word. That's not who Ezekiel got sent to. Pretty rough crowd. He sends Ezekiel to a bunch of hard-headed, rebellious, sinful, stiff-hearted people. I know those people aren't in Harrisonville, but they are in Huntsville. And these people had been given over to false teachers and false prophets, pre- preaching a prosperity gospel and the wrong message, saying everything's going to be okay, you don't need to repent, and, and heed warnings from the Word of God. In other words, these people didn't enjoy not so, you know, they didn't enjoy the hard preaching, they wanted not so hard preaching. These are the people that God called Ezekiel to reach. And in our culture, in 21st century Christianity, that's kind of what we face. I mean, I don't know if you've been out witnessing lately. And listen, maybe it's different in, in Harrisonville, Missouri, than it is in Huntsville. But man, when we go out and share the gospel, we run into some hard-headed folks. We run into some hard-headed folks. Our city, our city is about 250, 260,000 people. I don't know what your, your, your thought of Alabama is, but our city is kind of the exception. Like I grew up in what you probably think Alabama is in, in L.A., lower Alabama. But Huntsville's a little bit different. It has a lot of, lot of industry, economy, education, uh, engineers. We have military and NASA and medical, and we have all these different things. And people from all over the world come to Huntsville, Alabama. And there's some hard-headed folks because they've got everything. They've got prosperity. They've got wealth. They've got health. And they see no need for the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life. We have to be reminded, as Ezekiel was reminded, that God's heart is for people. God's heart's for people. And and there are people that we are called to reach, no matter how hard-headed they are, 
God wants those people to have a witness. And so we need to be reminded that people are the mission. People are the mission. We can get busy in church world with lots of different things. I'm thankful that we're, we're able to put Bibles together this weekend, but those Bibles are going to people. People are the point. People are the mission that God has sent us to. Secondly, Ezekiel was sent with a proclamation. As God sends Ezekiel back to the nation of Israel, he says, listen, here's what you need to say. Thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord. You see, what the lost and the backslidden don't need to hear are what Jay's thoughts are, Jay's opinions are, Jay's ideas are, what Jay's political opinions are. What they need to hear is what thus saith the Lord says. And a good minister always puts the hearer in remembrance of God's words. That's what, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. We're called to preach the word, as, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Preach the word, because the word does the work. It does the work. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And so, and so we, we've been called, and we've been commissioned. And the message that we carry is, thus saith the Lord. That's the message that we have to carry into the world, into those that are in captivity in their sin. They need to hear, thus saith the Lord. And then number three, Ezekiel was sent with perseverance. And I, I really like this verse <laughs> for me per- per- personally. He was sent with perseverance because it says in verse five, he says, God says to Ezekiel, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear for their rebellious house, yet shall they know that there hath been a prophet among them. In other words, God is just saying, listen, you don't worry about the results, Ezekiel. What you worry about is just telling them what I said. You, you tell them what I said, and I'll deal with the rest. And, and we see that through the rest of Ezekiel. And there's, a, there's some other verses I'll just read out loud. But in Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 7, again, God tells Ezekiel, thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they're most rebellious. Chapter 3 and verse 11, he says, Go, get thee to them of the captivity, unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord, whether they'll hear or whether they'll forbear. In other words, it really doesn't matter, Ezekiel, what the response is. You'll do ministry based on the response you get. You do ministry to be faithful to God. And again, Ezekiel 3 and verse 27, he said, When I speak to thee, I will open thy mouth. Thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, He that heareth, let him hear. And he that forbeareth, let him forbear, for they're a rebellious house. And so get this key in your notes. Ministry success isn't based on results, but rather it's based on faithfulness to the commission. It's based on faithfulness to the commission. Listen, I would love to tell you that Every person we ever share the gospel with gets saved. And I would love to tell you that every time we preach the Bible at our church and every time we disciple someone and everyone we, every time we teach a Sunday school class, I would love to tell you that everyone just eats it up. That happens here, right? I, I, me and your pastor will talk later. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. I'm telling you, man, it doesn't happen. But it doesn't matter. And this ought to encourage us when we don't get the perceived results that we get. When we, don't, when we don't see the results that we think we should get, well, this sort of motivates us to keep going. Because we need to just continue to share the Word of God. 
Success isn't based on results, but it's, it's, it's based on the success, or excuse me, it's based on the faithfulness to the commission. And if you go to Ezekiel 3, verses 8 and 9, God just kind of gives Ezekiel one little more word of encouragement. He says, Behold, I've made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant, harder than flint, have I made thy forehead Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their, by their looks, though they be a re- rebellious house. And, and I'm just telling you, man, look, hard-headed people need hard-headed preachers. I don't, you don't have to amen there. That's just the truth. And, and I was hard-headed, man. I was a hard-headed dude. I was hard-headed before I got saved. I was a pretty hard-headed after I got saved. And I needed people in my life that just were going to tell me what God said, no matter how crooked I looked at them, no, how, no matter how much I turned my nose at them or didn't like it, I needed people like that in my life. And you do too. You need people like that in your life. And hey, you need to be that person in other people's life. You just need to make your mind up. Man, I'm, I'm going to just be a hard-headed prophet of God no matter what the results are. I'm just going to trust God. God's called me to do this. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to witness for him and share the word of God with people. And then lastly, we see that Ezekiel's commission is that he was sent with a purpose. And the purpose was so that the nation of Israel would know that there had been a prophet among them. In other words, God never leaves his creation without a witness. He never leaves his creation without a witness. Even in captivity, God had mercy and grace for the nation of Israel. He said, I want them to know my word's still available. My word is still available. And and so God gives Uh, Ezekiel a promotion. He moves him from priest to prophet. The pay is double and the benefits package is out of this world. So here's the key. God's plan was to make Ezekiel the priest into Ezekiel the prophet. And God's plan is to make you as a New Testament believer in Christ who is a priest. His plan is to make you into a prophet. His plan is to take your life equip your life, empower your life, give you the word of God to take it to some people that need to hear it. Your, your life is to be a prophet for the Lord. And again, I'm not trying to get charismatic and say you're going to have new re- revelation. We know that's not true. But listen, we're called to speak the word of God to the people that need to hear it. That's it. We, we can't just be comfortable Christians that are, that are comfortable offering up spiritual sacrifices and, and offering our life as a, a living sacrifice. We have to go all the way to become a witness for the Lord. Number three, we see Ezekiel's cuisine because that's the only C word I could come up with. And so in verses nine to 10, that's the curse of the preacher, man. You can't preach it unless it's alliterated, I think. I don't know. Uh, Ezekiel two, verses nine to 10. And and so we're going to see that that God gives Ezekiel a very specific diet. In verses nine to 10, he says, and when I looked, behold, a hand was sent to me and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. And we've already studied and talked about, look, Ezekiel had heard the audible voice of God in chapter 1. He'd seen the vision of God in chapter 1, but he needed the written word of God to fulfill, to fulfill the commission that God had, had, had sent him for. And we know from Second Peter chapter 1 that, that, that the written word of God, the scriptures, are a more sure Word of prophecy. And so if we're going to fulfill the commission in our life 
to be, to be messengers of God's word to, to people that need to hear it that are in captivity. No matter their response, we have to have a steady diet of God's word ourselves. And so get this key. Listen, a prophet's provision has to be the written word of God, and it has to be consumed. It has to be consumed. You say, well, Jay, man, listen, we just, we just made like 2,600 Bibles yesterday, and that's awesome, and, and I'm thankful for that experience, guys. You, you don't know what that experience did in my life. As I'm handling that Word of God, and I'm seeing copy after copy after copy go through this machine, I'm sitting there pondering, how many times has this Word of God been through me? You know? Has it been through my heart 2,600 times? Man, is it... Has it had an effect on my life that many times? Listen, we, we know that the Word of God is the, is the spiritual nourishment for the, the Christian. We can't have the strength to do the spiritual ministry without the strength of the Word of God. You know, we went to a restaurant Friday night in, in Kansas, and we walked into this place. I didn't really know what to expect. Randy said, hey, this is going to be a buffet, and they're going to have, like, every type of pasta and pizza. And Okay, we have buffets in Alabama, all right? Like, don't toot your horn up here, Okay. <laughs> Well, you can toot your horn because we walked in and, I mean, the building was, like, enormous and I've never seen so much food in my life. And it was like, good grief. I'm going to need a week here <laughs> to, to, kind of, to kind of really, you know, manage this. And, it, and they spread it out, man. They had all kinds of pasta and pizza and barbecue and dessert and fish and calamari. And, you know, you think that those things don't, don't go together, but they do. And we all ate till we couldn't eat anymore. I mean, but we stopped short of gluttony, just for the record. <laughs> yeah, of course we got ice. Well, I, got, I missed the ice cream, but I did get dessert. And, and so listen, we, you know, we go to a place like that, and it's like, man, eat all you can eat. And, and that physical nourishment gave us the strength to labor and to build Bibles and, and to, to, to do the labor at hand. But man, this book is the spiritual nourishment for our labor. And, and, and we have to have a steady diet of God's word in our life, the spiritual sustenance that God can use to strengthen us. We can't proclaim the word of God unless we're strengthened and we know the word of God. And, and, and we can't give it to other people if we haven't been first partakers. God tells Ezekiel in chapter 2 and verse 8, he says, But thou, son of man, hear what I say to thee. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. Verses 9 and 10, and, 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 and Jeremiah does. You know, there's this roll. It's unrolled. God spreads it out before him. It has lamentations and mourning and woe in it. You say, well, that didn't taste good. It was what was needed at the time. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, God tells Ezekiel again. He says, son of man, Eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll, and he said to me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And, and, and you know, when you, when you study that thing out, we know the Word of God is, is like spiritual food in the Bible. You know, it, it is like honey, uh, but it's also bitter. And so the word of the key in your notes is this. The word of God can be both bitter and sweet at the same time. Sweet because it's God's word, but bitter because it has an effect on us. It always reveals our sin, our unrighteousness. It always reveals 
It's the light that shines in the darkest parts of our life. It discerns our thoughts and intentions of the heart. John experienced that in Revelation chapter 10, you know, verses 10 through 11. He says, I took the little book out of the angel's hand. I ate it up. In my mouth, it was sweet as honey. But as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And it had an effect on his life. I mean, it's the difference in the word of God. It's the difference between amen and oh me. You ever sat through a sermon and, man, amen, brother. But then, you, you know, the preacher gets to the next point. It's like, oh me, man, ease up. Ease up, bro. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, that first point was really good. Go back to the honey. I really enjoyed that. Well, it has both effects on our life because God wants to change us. Psalm 119, 103, the Bible says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Proverbs 16, verse 24 says, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. You see, God wants to move some priests to the role of prophets, and he wants to do that in Harrison, Missouri, and he wants to do it in Huntsville, Alabama. But the truth is that's not going to happen until we become personal partakers of God's word. We're going to have to become personal partakers of God's word. You see, how many times do Christians, and the truth is, the hidden truth is, sometimes even preachers, try to tell other people what God has said without first feasting on the word of God themselves? We're all guilty of that. So we need to, we need to all agree that we need to fill our, our mouth and fill our bowels with this role of the word of God so that we can have the satisfaction and the strength to carry out God's purpose for our life, so that we can take his words to those in captivity. That's the point. And then let me give you the last point and we're done. I want to show you Ezekiel's compassion. Ezekiel's compassion. And so, and so we're really just seeing a calling out of a minister in the life of Ezekiel. He was given a call. He was given a commission. He was given a very specific cuisine to feast on, to, to enable him. And then lastly, we see his compassion. Because he's got to go to those people. Look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. The Bible says, And he said to me, Son of man, go, get thee to the house of Israel, and speak my words with them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech or of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people uh, of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words... Thou canst not understand. Surely I have sent thee to them. They would have hearkened unto thee. And, and God's calling on Ezekiel's life was to the nation of Israel. Listen, it was, to, it was to his own people. Now, we know from the word of God that sometimes God raises up and calls out missionaries, and, and we, we train and pray and commission and send those missionaries all over the world. And sometimes people land in a field where it is strange speech and it is a hard language. But, you know, a lot of us end up just right amongst the people that we're with. They're our people. They're, they're the same temperament, the same mentality, the same culture, the same language. I mean, this morning, I mean, except for the Alabama draw, you guys haven't really needed a, a translator, I don't think. I mean, you guys are doing good or the Spirit of God is doing good one. I don't know. Nobody, what did you say? Okay, so, so that's who many times, God. listen, God has a heart for all nations, and some are going to go abroad, but the rest... Some are going to go abroad, but the rest are to go at home. We're, we're to go while we're at home. We're, we're not called to stay at home. We're called to go to the people that are unreached within our home. Look at Ezekiel 3 and verse 15. Here's the fulfillment of Ezekiel's commission. It says this in verse 15. 
I came to them of the captivity at Tel Abib that dwelt by the river of Chebar. Listen. And I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. And I want to just give you a key part of Ezekiel's ministry. He had compassion. You say, how do you know he had compassion? Well, Ezekiel didn't fly in to the nation of Israel and to those captives guns blazing. The way, he, the way he connected the Word of God to the people that needed to hear it, it wasn't just spitting out the cold hard facts. Ezekiel took the time to sit where they sat. And he was astonished with what they were astonished at. And by the way, they were astonished that they were in captivity. And so he identified with them. He took the time to sit with them. He took the time to show compassion with them and on them. He identified personally. And, you know, it's been said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's true. And God calls us to show compassion. Jude 1, or Jude verse 22, it says, Some having compassion, making a difference. Compassion helps make a difference. You know why the guy that was the one that ultimately led me to Christ, you know why God was able to use him? Because he cared about me. Now listen, you may have responded to a cold call knock on the door and and somebody visit your home and receive the gospel, and I rejoice in that because God uses that. But but in our church, man, many times the people that come to Christ and the people that that are in captivity in their sin, that come to uh, a realization that there's freedom in Christ, that comes through personal relationship. It comes through relationship. It comes through people willing to sit and listen and have compassion on the circumstances. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for people like Ezekiel in my life. Let me tell you this. The greatest compassion that was ever put on display was when the Lord Jesus Christ himself left his seat in heaven, came to this earth, and listen, he dwelt among us to reveal the word of God to us, to show us that even in our sin, even in our bondage, even in our captivity, there is a God that loves us and that there's forgiveness available. And so with that being said, listen, I, I want to encourage you today. Thank you for the opportunity to preach to you. I want to encourage you that God wants to move every one of us. If you don't know Christ as Savior, God wants to move you to the gospel. That's the first step. But if you're a believer in Christ, God wants to move you to become a, a, a spokesman for him because he wants to use you to make his word known to other people. Have you responded to the call of salvation in your life? Doesn't matter your circumstances. Doesn't matter your family tree. Doesn't matter your occupation. You can be free from your sin this morning through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And if you've responded to that call, have you responded to the commission that God wants to send you and God wants to use you? Listen, we have people to reach. We have a word to proclaim. And God's going to give us the perseverance that we need so that he can be glorified. No matter what the response so that he can be glorified. Thank you this morning, church. Pastor. Thanks, brother. That was a good word. And is that a good word? Amen. I really appreciate the Lord just uh, giving us a Philadelphian relationship. You know, when when you come together around the Word of God, God opens doors and and not only does he open doors to nations, he opens doors to hearts. 
And I pray that this morning, if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus, one of the points that Jay made was you got to take that personal, right? Uh, some of us have a call to, to be saved, probably even today. I don't know everybody here. Some of you may be guests. Some of you may be members. And somehow you've slid through on, and, and in your mind, you've maybe consented to some information, but you never really fully grasped the, the gospel. And somehow we, we didn't check it good enough. And if you're in your heart, if you don't know personally that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you know, today's a day of salvation. And uh, if you are someone here today that's called, uh, maybe into, to, if you're, like he said, if you're saved, you're called to serve, right? And, uh, and you know what God's saying to you. So let's just do this. Let's stand together in an attitude of prayer. And uh, let's, let's go to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to consider what it is he's calling us to do. How that involves, uh, you know, what are we doing with his commission to, to proclaim the, the gospel to people, to teach the word of God, what we've consumed through that cuisine, and, and do we have that compassion that God gives us? It's not something we gen up. The spirit of God, you know, the spirit of God in us is love, joy, peace, right? Those are inward things that he provides, and a message like this really helps us simply understand that we're either in God's will or we're not. And, uh, you know, God was calling Ezekiel into his will so God could use him to call others into God's will. He wanted them in his will. God wants us this morning. He's calling not just prophets and, and priests. He's calling all sinners everywhere to repent, the Bible says. And so maybe this morning you're here and you can sense the God uh, that God is calling you to salvation. Maybe you understand, uh, maybe you sense that God is, is, really, is really challenging you on if you die today where you would spend eternity. And man, we love you, but, but we can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. And we want to help you understand through what the Bible says, how you can know very certainly that you can have eternal life. And so if you're here this morning and you're, and you're saying, Brian, you are talking to me. Pastor Jay was talking to me. We want to help you right now. If there, is there anybody that would say, Brian, you are talking to me. I need to know that I'm saved. I need to have this assurance. I, I know I need to get saved. Anyone at all? I mean, today's a great day. I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to walk this aisle, but we will come to you right now. If you're like, Brian, that's me. I want to settle that issue today. I want to know. Just lift your hand up where I can see it. Anyone at all? All right. I don't see anybody doing that. If you're in your heart right now, if your heart's pounding like a thousand beats a minute and you feel like you know you need to do this, but you're scared, you're petrified, you're, 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 you know, you're calcified, you can't move. You are in a spiritual war right now, and I just want to let you know that we love you, and, and, and you need to find me, you need to find somebody that you know knows Jesus, uh, and, and, or right now, just go ahead and lift that hand, and don't let this moment pass, and make sure you know that you're saved. Let's settle that today. Is there, is there anybody? Am I talking to anybody in the house? Because God loves you. He wants to know you in a personal way today. He wants you to know him in a personal way. He wants you to be assured of salvation. Maybe you're online this morning. You can call us, 380-3033. We'll get connected with you and get you in the Word of God. Maybe this morning God's calling some to ministry. Maybe you've got a big decision to make. You've seen two witnesses here get baptized today. You need to follow the Lord Believer's baptism. Maybe you need to join this church. Maybe God's calling you into ministry. Uh, maybe you need to go ahead and make the commitment. Man, I'm going to get in that children's ministry. I'm going to go to that next meeting or whatever it is. Maybe it's to sign up for Discipleship One. Uh, maybe it's to get enrolled in HBI or next semester starting. Uh, here in January, whatever it may be, uh, you know, what is God calling you to? Maybe it's, I, I love the way we ended with the, the compassion, right, and, and the, the need to 
ingest the word of God so we can get it out to people and to go forward and, and preach the gospel regardless of results. Are we committed to that? Here in just a few weeks, uh, Jeremy's going to be talking on Wednesday night about intentional gospel outreach. And we need to be intentional about our gospel outreach. Regardless of results, we need to get the word where it needs to go on time. So as we conclude, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, anybody just say, Brian, I, I just need some prayer. Amen. Hey, if you need to make a decision, uh, we have people up here that can pray with you. You can step out now. There's folks that need to make decisions this morning. We'll just pray together. Heavenly Father.